Okay, welcome to episode number 41 of Across the Pond. My name is David Ashbaugh, as always, joined by my co-host Sixten Funquist. And Sixten, we're finally talking to each other on the same side of the pond. I'm back in Sweden. Yes, we're on the same side of the pond, but not in the same kitchen. Or same house, rather. Our uh, office, you mean? My kitchen? Our office? Yes, yes. <laughs> that little corner table uh, where we sit, where we usually, where we used to sit, very cramped and very not social distant. Yes, before but, uh, social distancing little... was a thing, I should add. Exactly. We're being a little bit more responsible doing a remote episode still, even though I'm back in Sweden. But uh, yeah, it's. Uh... I guess it's been yeah about 10 days since I got back and uh, had a long travel day, but I uh, got a negative COVID test this week, just to be sure, so all is good. Awesome. Uh, it's awesome to have you back, and you're pretty much ready to get going working with hockey again, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I can't wait to, to kind of get back into the office and uh, get back into the swing of things. Had a chance to watch the uh, Lynn Shopping Oskarsham hockey game last night, which turned out to be a bit of a snoozer unfortunately but uh we'll no it's nice to, to, to be back in sweden yeah had uh had a rough travel day though because i was supposed to originally go vancouver amsterdam amsterdam lynn shopping um but the netherlands put in like really strict entry protocols two days after i booked that flight and so i had to rebook and so i went vancouver toronto had a three-hour layover in toronto toronto paris had a six-hour layover in paris and then paris stockholm and then, of course, to finish the uh, travel day, there was a very large accident in Stockholm. So it took me four hours to get back from Stockholm, from oh. or to Linköping from Stockholm. How did you get here from Stockholm? By train or car? Uh, my, my girlfriend's parents picked me up. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Oh, that's a traffic jam you don't want to be in. Yeah, it was it was it was rough. But uh, the flight from Toronto to or Toronto to Paris was awesome. It was like a 350 seat airplane. There was probably 25 people on it, and I had the entire back section of the airplane to myself, so I could just lie right across four seats in the middle section and had a pretty good sleep. So you were you were just jogging around, keeping fit, doing stuff like that. Yeah, doing some push ups. You know, doing laps of the tail section of the plane. <laughs> hey, hey, quick question though: Do, do they kind of adapt the personnel on on the flight? So they were like. Two flight attendants or whatever, or were they? No, they 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 still seem to have a full crew. Um, oh, I, there was like probably four, five or six flight attendants. So, Jesus, got some real personalized and uh, individual service. Yeah. Hey, did I tell you about? My, oh, I did tell you about my trip to Malaysia in uh, in in the special episode we did, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll 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 get back to you on that because there are more stories to that to that because it's yeah. But yeah, it was uh, it was like thirty two hours of travel in total, but. Um, and the, I always find the jet lag coming this way is a lot worse than going home to Vancouver. And so I was, you know, on my ass for three or four days because of the jet lag had, you know, headache, a bit of nausea, some extreme fatigue, but, uh, better and fully recovered and used to the time zone here now. So that's awesome. I don't like traveling eastwards as well. I prefer traveling with the time, so to speak, Yeah. Uh, rather than up against it, but, but well, you got to get through it. Well, I always find it funny uh, when you're going to Vancouver from Amsterdam or Stockholm, it's about a nine and a half hour flight and it's a nine hour difference. So technically the flight is only 30 minutes long. Yeah, I love <laughs> I love, I love those kind of thing. Um, when you fly from Helsinki to Stockholm, it's a one hour flight and a one hour time difference. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, Hockey. Where do you want to start? You watched the Lean Shopping game yesterday. I uh, was working yesterday and I didn't choose to work with the Linköping game because I figured there were uh, a bounce back in the wrong direction was to come and uh, it came. Well, and, and and the game last night was such an important game too against Oskarsham. They went into the game tied in points, obviously. They both had 46 points um, and uh, they they just couldn't pull it out. They they let Oskarsham, Oskarsham uh, score the opening goal, responded fairly quickly to tie it up at one, and then uh, the rest of the game was just all Oskarsham. And Linköping dropped a very important three points because that would have put them into 10th place, which is now occupied by Oskarsham. Yeah, and now Linköping are dead last with uh, 46 points in 43 games. One point behind Malmö, who had another COVID outbreak, so they didn't play yesterday, and they're not playing Tuesday. Uh, in 47 points, but Malmö has four games in hand, so uh, that's down to the rain. Um, HV71 are in 12th, with also with seven. Uh, sorry, 47 points in 43 games, and then we have Brynäs with 48 points in 41 games, and like you said, Oskarshamn with 49 points in 42 games. So things are looking bleak for Linköping. Are they going to make it without qualification? 
Uh, it's it's hard to say right now, but coming into the game last night, there was a bright spot for Lynn Shoping. They had, other than last night's game, they had 16 points in their past 10 games. And so I think they were sixth overall in the past 10 games in the SHL, which is a bright spot for Lynn Shoping. They, they certainly haven't, you know, given up on the season yet. They're still fighting to try and get themselves out of those bottom two spots, which they've been stuck in since before December, I believe. Um, but you look at the bottom five standings, and it's a real close race right now. Like you said, Oscar Sean with 49 points, and then Lin Shoping sits just three points back of that 10th place spot. And so Lin Shoping still certainly has a chance to pull themselves out of the bottom two, but they only got nine games left to do it. And um, they, uh, like you said, uh, Malmo's got four games in hand. Brinus has one game in, or two games in hand. <laughs> Oscar Sham has one game in hand. And so... They're definitely a little bit behind the eight ball right now, but still, uh, I, I don't want to rule them out just yet. Uh, I'm going to, because I'm going to tell you the, their schedule. And I tweeted prior to last uh, last night's game that uh, three points against Oscar Sam was, well, essential for the survival of the club without qualifications. I didn't care how, how they were supposed to get those three points, but obviously they failed in doing so. Because now, looking at their schedule, it's rough. They play Kolefteo at home on Tuesday. Then they got Växjö away, Örebro at home, and Färjestad away. That's the next four games coming. Then, they, then they've got Brynäs away, Rögle at home, Luleå at home, HV71 away, and they finish off by playing Djurgården away. So there are all, well, there are no easy teams for a team in the bottom, uh, easy games for a team in the bottom, but these are rough games through and through. Okay, let's uh, ballpark it. How many games do they need to win in their last nine to be able to pull themselves out of the bottom two? Oh. I'd say they'd have to win at least five. At least. Maybe six. Yeah, and they've and only got nine games left. So it, it's a real uphill battle for Lynn Shoping. they got to win two out of three, and I can't see them do it. They have. I don't know if they've got, like, I don't know their longest win streak or point streak in the season, but... Given, like you said, they have 16 points in the past. Was it 10 games? Yeah. Um, no. And I mean, well, they showed the injury list for Lynn Shoping last night before the game, and I believe they've got nine players on the injury list. Um, they lost Andrew Gordon earlier in the week. Um, they've got Arvid Kosmar is down. Obviously, Brock Little is. I think that was his third game back after missing 21 games due to injury. But they obviously have the new guy, Josh Hossain, coming in. Um, and I actually had a chance to uh, chat with Andrew Gordon, who is uh, who is looking forward to seeing what he's able to bring to the team. Yeah, looking at their list of injuries, I just picked up a tweet I got from someone here, Henrik. Uh, Matthias Beckman, Hampus Larsson, D-Man both. Henrik Törnqvist, Don Pettersson, Arvid Kostmar, like you said, Marcus Jung, Alexander Johansson, Andrew Gordon, Niklas Lundström, the goalie. And also Josh Hossain didn't, didn't play yesterday. So it's a quite thorough list. Yeah, and not only is it a thorough list, but those are some big names like Marcus Young, Andrew Gordon, Dan Pedersen, uh, Hampus Larson. Hampus Larson. Those are those are the big player kind of uh, kind of injuries that uh, Lynn Shoping is really going to struggle without them uh, on the roster. And also, I mean, Alexander Johansson came in uh, scoring. I don't know what he's got like four goals in six games or whatever since his arrival to Lynn Shoping, and I mean, that's a tough loss as well. Um... No, things are looking bleak. Yeah, he's, no, sorry, he's got three goals and two assists in seven games. I was pretty close. And we should, uh, for anybody who is unaware of what the relegation will look like this season, it is going to be different from previous seasons. Obviously, there was no relegation, no playoffs last year due to the pandemic. Um, but what's going to happen this season, just to update people who might not know, is the bottom two teams in the SHL are going to battle for their SHL lives. And the winner of, I'm you correct me if I'm wrong, but this has to be one of the very first All-Svenskin playoffs in All-Svenskin history. It is the first, to my knowledge. Yeah, and so the winner of the Allsvenskan playoffs is going to move up and get promoted to the SHL, which I think is a really cool because it's uh, you know it's uh, it, it's hard to be a hockey player without playoffs to look forward to, even if you're one of the bottom teams, which has been the case in Allsvenskan. So I think it's going to be uh, some good hockey in Allsvenskan for their first playoffs uh, in in history. So it'll be really interesting to see. But uh, yeah, right now it looks like Lynn Shoping will probably you know is going to play. 
pick one malmo hv71 brinas or oscar sham depending on uh depending on who has strong and who has weak finishes to the season so only one team will be relegated this season one team will be moving up and so it's a bit of a different approach to uh relegation and promotion this season yeah let's let's leave lynch in the bottom and focus on the other teams uh fighting for survival um i'm Oscar Sam, Brinas, HV71, and Malmö. Where do you place those in, well, once there's the, the regular season is come, has come to an end? Who uh, might get it, it? Who won't? It's it's going to be hard to say. Um, I'm going to say it's going to be Malmö is going to finish in the bottom two just because, excuse me, they've struggled all season long just as Lynn Choping has. The one advantage they do have, of course, as we already mentioned, is they've only got 39 games played, which is, uh, yeah, it is the least amount of games played so far this season. They've dealt with multiple COVID outbreaks, which has delayed their seasons. Um, HV71 and Brinus, it's hard to say which one of those might make, or HV71, Brinus, and Oscarshaw might make the postseason, but I am going to say Malmo and Lin Choping are going to be the two teams battling it out for uh, for relegation. Uh yeah, I think so too. And what goes against Malmö is actually that they've only got 39 games played because that schedule will be cramped towards the end somewhere at some point. Uh, no matter the COVID situation, it's going to be cramped. Um, and that will obviously... Um, that might be a saving grace for Linköping, to be honest, because playing uh, an exhausted Malmö team have, that, have, that has uh, dealt with multiple COVID outbreaks might be... <laughs> Sorry, but it might be the saving grace with Lynch up and getting players back, um, getting some rest maybe prior to the qualification stuff like that. So we're not actually hammering the nail exactly in the coffin for Lynch up, but we are sort of doing it as well because they're, it's it's uh, it's uh, looking bleak. Malva HP71 have set, made some decent signings in the past uh, few weeks with Artur Ilomäki coming in from Luleå, Miska Sikonen coming in from Finland. Uh, I like what HP71 has done. They're they're looking more solid. They're not looking perfect. I watched them yesterday. They did play a very good game in in Karlstad, uh, despite losing on overtime. But they but uh, they bounced back in the third, played really well, and they they they're helping Hugo Alnafelt more than they've been helping their goalies. Well, earlier in the season, and I think Stefan Lund, the coach. The returning coach, I should say, has done a, a hell of a job just turning their their uh, chemistry around. Yeah, absolutely. And um, like you said, they've made some good signings. And I'd like to just go back to that Malmo situation. If I'm not mistaken, the regular season ends March 23rd and the playoffs 25th. get under... 25th. And the playoffs get underway on the 27th. And so we're sitting, what is it, the 21st of February right now. So we're just over a month away, and Malmo still has 13 games to play. And like you said, that is going to be an extremely compressed schedule over the next four and a half weeks for Malmo. I could see that, like you said, being a bit of a detriment to them if they're tired going into that relegation round, if, of course, they do end up playing there. But at the same time, it could be a bit of an advantage being able to play that many games in a short span of time, kind of get some chemistry back together after spending a lot of, like, it's been kind of a choppy season for them. So if they can get kind of a rhythm, get a groove going in the last few games of the season, it, it might work in their favor. It might, but I'm, I'm, I'm standing firm with the virus causing trouble because you don't we don't know. It's, the virus is so individual to each person getting it, so we don't know what the phys- physical ramifications to each Malmö player will be, especially if COVID has hit multiple areas of the team or multiple players in different areas and during different times. Those players having uh, attracted COVID early might be better off, obviously, uh, but they might not be. We don't know. Look at like Marco Rossi. Uh, was it Marco Rossi, right? In, in mm-hmm. the NHL, he, he, his season was completely canceled because he, he can't still. He had COVID in, in November. He's still not playing because. So it's very individual. And we I don't want to go all medical here, but we kind of have to. We don't know anything. It's a complete unknown what's, what the situation is. All we know is, is that Malmö uh, are in COVID trouble yet again. And that might be a couple of players. It might be spreading again. We, we, we don't know. When I was talking, when I talked to Joe Galeno the other week, read that piece on SHL.se, by the way. Um, he said, yeah, he's been self-quarantining through the the entire time and uh, not working out as well. So those guys self-quarantining are losing workouts as well. So it's, it's a complete unknown. 
Well, yeah, and like you said, it affects everybody individually. And a couple of players that I've seen do interviews and have talked to have said that even after they had technically recovered from the virus, their body wasn't healing as fast after workouts, after practices, oh. after games. And they were having a really hard time recovering their their strength and their energy back. And uh, like you said, with that, that compressed schedule for Malmo, if that's the situation in Malmo, they're going to have a really tough time fielding a proper team. And um, obviously, COVID is mainly affects the lungs. And if you're a professional athlete with lung problems, you're no longer a professional athlete. So oh. it's uh, it'll be interesting to see. Hopefully, you know, obviously, we want all the players on Malmo to make full recoveries, but uh, we're just going to have to wait and see. And hopefully, uh, it's nothing too serious for them in the locker room. Yeah, and imagine like imagine Malmo going down and just COVID causing everything. It's it's there are financials being shut to pieces club financials i should say due to relegation and imagine if that would be huh, due to covid it's so it's it's a complete gong show man yeah it's uh it, it's a, a definitely a unique strange and kind of awful season as far as uh the pandemic is concerned but hey you gotta you gotta give props to the players and to the league to be able to make this season happen in the first place and and able to battle through this and, and keep it going yes for sure i want to touch on brinas before we leave the bottom of the league because um what it, even if brinas were to to end up playing qualification hockey they've got in my opinion one of the top three goals in the league and it's so rare to have a bottom feeder team have those great goalies kind of saving the day through and through. Malmö has Oscar Alsenfeldt and I love him as a goalie as well. But Samuel Ersson is, or Samuel Ersson in, in Swedish, he's been, I mean, he's been lights out throughout the season. And I think it's stopped. I think he has 40 plus saves at, at a couple of, of occasions, to be honest. And he's, you can't beat the guy up close. It, it's He's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a, uh, and I think that's, that's one of the, uh, the areas, the aspects of those teams' games where they certainly have an advantage over Lin Choping is their goaltender situation, whereas Lin Choping has struggled throughout the season with goalies between the pipes. And and like you said, Malmo, HV71, and Brinus all have some, some pretty solid backstops there between the pipes, despite uh, them historically not being the best of goaltenders, maybe except for uh, the exception of uh, Olsenfeld. Yeah, Erson. I think Erson is a bit underrated, to be honest, and he doesn't get the credit he deserves. But just looking at his game log, um, last game they lost to to Kolefjö, uh, in overtime, I should say. He stopped 38, 38 out of forty shots. The game prior to that, they won against HB seventy one. He stopped forty out of forty one shots. Uh, he has against HB seventy one on uh, February eighth, thirty three saves in thirty five shots. I mean. He had against Frelunda January thirtieth. He had forty nine saves in regulation. Yes, because they lost seven to one. So <laughs> oh Jesus. <laughs> so okay, I mean, so they lost seven to one, and he had forty nine saves. How many shots total did they have? Fifty six. Damn. Uh, he had forty one saves against Lexan in uh, November twenty. No, sorry, December third. 42 saves against the Drogla October 15th. Uh, I mean, the guy is insane. Well, that also speaks to the... Uh, that 42 also saves of, against Eurogordon. That also kind of speaks to the uh, the lack of uh, defense and discipline, yes. though. Yes. Which is, uh, well, after watching the Canucks for the last six weeks, I can sympathize. <laughs> yes. Oh man, I won't. I, I won't even start on that. I, I just go off. We'd have an entire episode about me con- complaining about the Canucks. But anyways, Brinus has uh, one thousand three hundred and eighty-six shots on goals against this season. Uh, and how many games have they played? Forty-one. Forty-one. So that's a, a, a bit over thirty-five or something. I know. Yeah, that's a that's like thirty-six, thirty-seven shots on average per game. I'm doing it now. Thirty-three point eight. Jeez. That's yeah. That's a that's a real high shot average. Yeah, most in the league in gen- in terms of shots, actual shots, not not per game, but I can imagine they're up there in shots per game as well. So yeah, 
But um, enough about the bottom of the standing. Yes. Should we take a look at the top? Um, one of the things, actually, I was discussing with a couple of buddies last night when we were watching the Lynn Chopin game. We were talking about Rogla, who obviously has been sitting top of the league, sitting pretty for uh, for most of the season. They've been really performing well, um, which is something that I've really enjoyed seeing because they kind of got uh, you know a bit shafted last year without being able to perform in the playoffs, which was a bit disappointing, obviously. But the thing is, Rogla, despite their success this season, has very, very minimal playoff experience. The only playoff experience they've had since the 90s was two seasons ago, and they got eliminated, swept in the first round. Two, they lost both games against the Lakers. I do you, think do they've you think only played one round. Good? No, I don't think so. You don't think so? No. Um, sure, the game kind of changes uh, when regular season turns into playoffs. But... With, I mean, the the Abbott brothers, they work in mysterious ways. We've been we've been talking about that before, actually, with Cam Abbott um, earlier, um, and I I think they can kind of instill a certain confidence in in their team that that kind of you shouldn't you shouldn't disregard playoff experience, obviously, because it it it's a different beast. But with the the style of play that Rogler plays, and with the kind of youthful exuberance of energy they 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 showed night in and night out i i'm not that worried this season sure it gets a bit uglier but they've got players who can kind of do that dance as well yeah and obviously they have players who have that playoff experience but you know as a, a team as a whole the rogo organization is lacking in that playoff experience but i honestly think as far as rogo is concerned i think we might be witnessing the birth of a bit of a dynasty here if rogo is able to continue the success they've had last season and this season and if they're able to uh to to replace parts uh, as as they go this this could be you know a, a new frolunda type of situation emerging in in rogo where they're going to have string together multiple good seasons i completely agree and one very important key piece for the upcoming playoffs for them is Ted Britian, who who recently returned from uh, Switzerland, uh, where he played well the start of the season, and he's back. He's 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 skilled. He's he's got experience. He um, he 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 came back to team. He knows very well. They know him very well, and he he, he I I get the exp- I, I haven't talked to Ted myself, but just talking around to, to different people, he, I think he has a very calming presence, and I, I think that's very important, especially like you said, with a team uh, lacking that kind of organizational playoff experience. And now um, this is complete speculation, but I don't know if you heard Cody Curran recently got reassigned to the AHL. Do you think there be any chance of him returning to Rogla to finish the playoffs now that he's no longer with the Ducks? No, the deadline has passed. It has. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So, Darn. but that would have been fun, though. <laughs> that would have been. That would have been. Uh, that would have been something. But yeah, I think uh, I think Rogla is going to be uh, I, the team to beat this year. Really, um, the, you know, you got some teams that obviously could give them a run for their money, but. Uh, just looking at their stats right now, they lead the league in goals scored and goals against. So they got both the offense and the defense. Where, oh, no, my apologies. The Lakers have uh, seven less goals against than them. But the uh, Rogla is, is, yeah, they've just had such a dominant season so far. They have. Uh, hang on. I'm just, I just got a text. I need to reply to that. Sorry. Uh, there we go. I... <clears throat> The thing that can kind of end <laughs> any hopes of, of getting that first championship for Rögle is looking at other teams of past playoff uh, success. We have Frölunda, though they are fifth. We have Vekua, who are sneaking into second second position again. Uh, we have Lulio. We don't know where they are. So out of all 14 teams, I think it's down to five in terms of winning the championship this season. And I... To be honest, I think it's down to four because Frelunda seemed to be lacking something this season. But but Rögle, they're they're good. I, I'm also really interested to see how Lexan performs in the playoffs. They're currently sitting in that bubble spot, number six. They're just one point ahead of Orebro. And it's gonna it looks like it's probably gonna be Lexand and Lexand Orebro and Frelunda battling for that sixth spot. They're all within one point of each other. Faryasad is seven points back in eighth. And so it'll be interesting to see which team makes, or which two of those teams make the playoffs, which one is going to have to play in the quarterfinals. But um, yeah. 
And uh, well, let's 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 say this six ten bottom four. Which one of those teams right now do you think could be a dark horse in the playoffs? I'd have to say Far East Ad. I think so too. I think Far East Ad are looking better, not great, but they're looking better compared to earlier in the season. They've got some some important players on a roll. Ole Luxell scored for like the fourth. No, he had a point at least for for four games in a row or something. Now he's been looking sharp, really sharp as of late. He didn't look good at all coming into Ferry Star from Linköping this season. Um, they're getting they're getting some saves from both Arvid Holm and Henrik Haukeland. I didn't like Henrik Haukeland to start off the season, but he's looking really solid as well. Um, they've just been chugging along a bit. Uh, they showed confidence in coach uh, Penneborn when they really were struggling, and I think that's paying off. They didn't make any hastily decisions, and uh, I like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, obviously, your garden's been struggling this season as well, which is a bit of a surprise. They're usually, you know, top five, top six in the season. But um, uh, it obviously looks like they are going to make the playoffs. So it'll be interesting to see if they're able to kind of turn things around in the final stages of the season. But they, they, they've struggled throughout the season. So I don't I don't have high expectations for them for the playoffs. No, me neither. Um, they look disoriented. I don't know why. I don't know. I don't know what's wrong, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, all right. What can do we can I just talk? praise? Uh, I think did we touch on uh, Daniel Musito Bagenda the other, the other episode? No, we haven't talked about him in ages. I really like his play. He's is he still is he still with the Red Bull? He is. Yeah. He's the typical power forward you don't see every day anymore because the game has kind of evolved to be more of a fast paced game. But he can skate with not the fastest, but he's he's up there with the, with the fast guys. He's big, strong, powerful. He drives the net hard. He he's a big body, obviously. Uh, I really, really like him, and I think he's bound for great success should he continue this path because he's underrated. I think he's overlooked at many in many situations, um, and he doesn't always you know get the points, but he's he's paving the way quite quite literally actually um, for his team and his teammates, and I can see him sneakily making the NHL at some point. Yeah, and I I mean he's uh, like you said he's kind of one of those guys that flies in under the radar. He's a bit underrated. He's like you said he's big. He's six foot one, hundred eighty five centimeters, and ninety kilograms, hundred ninety eight pounds. Um, and he he uses that to his advantage. He's strong on the puck. Uh, he's got some good hands. And last season was technically his first season in the SHL. Put up seven goals and ten assists for seventeen points. He looks like he's probably on pace to match that this season, but he, he's he's a fun player to watch for sure. And uh, like you said, uh, he has some uh, North American experience playing in the OHL, AHL, and ECHL. So he's he's only 24, so it'll be interesting to see if he's able to improve his game a little bit. Um, I, I could definitely see an NHL team taking a chance on him. Especially when the, the NHL expands. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I mean, there are more spots to be taken so yeah exactly because that's uh that's coming this summer for seattle kraken so yeah uh, yeah that'll be interesting yeah let's let's uh revisit the the topic of musito bagenda down the line because i think we're bound to see something really good from him yeah uh you you, you mentioned lexand uh i, I want to go back to to them i um we i know we've been talking about ice time for players um uh, but what kind of goes <laughs> it's <clears throat> okay out of the top, uh, let's see, top, one, two, three, four, out of the top 25, I can probably expand that, out of the top, dum, 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 out of the top 33 players in average ice time per game, four are forwards, three are Marek Rivik, Carter Camper, and Peter Selarik. Gee, what a surprise. Marek Rivik actually <laughs> averages 22 minutes, 22 seconds per game. That's insane for a forward. Yes. Carter, and he was, I know he was uh, north of 23, so he's been coming down a bit. Carter Camper are, is in uh, 21 minutes, uh, 45 seconds, and Peter Selarik is uh, playing 21 minutes, 29 seconds a game. Uh, the fourth forward being Linus Freiberg of HV71. He plays uh, 
sorry, I lost him. There we go. 19 minutes, 35 seconds. So the rest of the guys being demon. Heading into the playoffs, when do we see them not kind of keeping up physically anymore? Because I can't see this continuing. Although people around Lexand, not within the organization, but around the organization have told me that these are physical monsters. They just want to play more and more. And I think they're actually being held back by Coach Bjorn Hellqvist. And that, if so, Jesus Christ. Well, yeah, it, and it, it's crazy to think that between the three of them, and that is arguably the top line in the league, um, it's it's crazy to think that between the three of them, they're playing an entire game of hockey every single night with more than 20 minutes each. And like you said, in the playoffs, that might not be sustainable because in the regular season, you typically get, you know, two days, three days off between games. Sometimes you play back to back, but it's very rare. In the playoffs, typically here in the SHL, you play every other day. Yes. Heading all the all the way through the playoffs. If you are to make it to the final finals, it's every other day you're going to be playing. And so I don't know. Even though they are described, you know, as physical beasts or in great condition, it's a it's a tough pace to maintain for for anyone. I've been expecting this hard grind to take its toll already, and I don't know if it's going to, but it, it surely it must have. It's, it's it, it must come. I, I think so. <laughs> yeah, and, well, I, I, especially I mean, when you. Obviously. Especially when you consider there's only a two-day break between the regular season and the playoffs. They're not going to have a whole lot of time to recover uh, and to get rested up before the postseason. True. Uh, well, actually, unless I, I, unless I guess they finish in the top six, they will have uh, have four, four or five days off waiting for the, the quarterfinals to finish. Yeah, and I'm kind of expecting the Malmö games being put in there as well. Um, so we might, I'm, I don't know. I haven't heard anything about it. I can see the playoffs being postponed a bit to kind of accommodate those uh, lagging games without uh, stressing Malmö too hard because it somewhere it must be fair as well. Um, looking at the schedule for Lexan, they've got Ferrystad, Le- uh, sorry, Ferrystad, Oskarshamn, Brynäs, Jurgården, Brynäs again. Uh, sorry, uh, HG71, Lulio, Rögle, and Malmö to finish it off. And actually, yeah, yeah, sorry, the, the, that Malmö game is currently placed on April 1st, but we do, we do know that's not going to happen. It's, it's going to, to get another date. But I can see Hellquist kind of cutting back on ice time from time to time for the guys to kind of give them a rest. Not not give them a complete rest, because I don't think they want, they want that. But I can see him matching them a bit huh, less. Yeah, yeah, and obviously, you, uh, as as their top line, you don't want to risk uh, their injury. You don't want to risk them going out or getting injured. So I, I could definitely see them getting their getting their uh, their their minutes reeled back a little bit, which I don't think would be the worst thing for them. No, I mean they've proven their point. Selarik has thirty four points in forty games, eighteen being goals. Carter Camper, sorry, Carter Camper has forty three points in forty three games with thirty assists, and Rivik has. 42 points in 35 games played with 33 being assists. So, yeah, they 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 know what they're doing. Yeah, and um, it, it's been an impressive season for Lexand all around, I think, uh, given the situation that they, they, they got kind of a, a golden ticket last year. They've definitely taken advantage of their situation, and uh, it, it's nice to see them uh, doing so well. For sure, for sure. Uh, should we move on? Yeah. What do we want to talk about? I want to talk about Eric Martinsson in HV71. All right. He's uh, the best scoring D-man right now. He's got... uh, Sorry. He's got 35 points in 43 games. I was... Prior to the season, I was uh, praising Johannes Schienwall, obviously, but he's injured, so things haven't gone the way we hoped. Uh, But with 35 points in, in... in 43 games for Eric Martinson, who I think his previous best was something like 22 points. That's one hell of an output for for someone uh, just making that jump in in production. And uh, he's he's yeah 22 points last season. He's kind of covering uh, the the loss of uh, Johannes Schienwall very well. Yeah, absolutely. That's it's impressive numbers, like you said, especially given the fact that he's never. 
shown that kind of offensive capability. He's well, he only had 43 games played last season where he put up 22 points. He's got 43 games played so far this season with 35. And so I wouldn't be surprised given the pace he's been producing if he's able to uh, put an additional five points on that, that that stat sheet and hit the 40 point mark this season before the end of the before the end of the the, the regular season. No, definitely. I, I I completely agree. He's on he's got five points in his last four games. Uh had an assist against Ferry Stud yesterday. Uh he's got, to be honest, he's got nine points in his last uh hang on. One, two, three, four, five. Nine games. So yeah. He's doing very well. Yeah, and like you said, it's uh, it's a big step up for him uh, being able to kind of fill that offensive role as a defenseman that uh, they're lacking due to the uh, missing Shinval, who at the start of the season, uh, 6'10", you had mentioned that he was hopefully going to be kind of uh, the next Cody Curran as far as offensive production from the blue line is concerned, but he's had some injury issues this year, unfortunately. I stand firm on that. Had he been completely healthy, I think he would have been up there um, with Martinson, or probably had more than Martinson with I I can see Martinson he, he's kind of covering the ice time for for Shinval a bit uh but I do stand firm I mean Shinval is an exceptional D man with a fa- offensive uh capabilities so but he still has 22 points in 29 games played so I don't know what that is in 52 games on average but uh, not 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 quite up there uh obviously but yeah that's 39 points so I mean looking good yeah uh, I, I I like uh, Shinval. I like the HV seventy one D D D core, especially with Matt Donovan coming in. Uh, he's playing with Martinson, and uh, I in the post game interview yesterday, or might have been during the game actually, um, Martinson was kind of praising Donovan's play and communication skills because one guy joins the rush and then the other guy kind of sits back and they kind of alternate alternate and who's doing so and when when to to kind of jump on the chance and when to stand back and they've got a great communication and they seem to be playing hockey in a very similar way so they're they're a solid first d pairing for hv 71 and it's a great get by by their their manager management to get matt donovan uh to their lineup he's been exceptional i, I really like his play yeah, that, that's a huge pickup for HV71 late in the season. He came in, uh, he's got eight games so far. He did play for uh, for Lunda for a couple of seasons back in between 2016 and 2018 where he was had some pretty good numbers, but he's got seven points so far in eight games played for HV71. And I think this could be a big pickup helping them move forward to try and uh, to try and crack the top 10 for the postseason. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, we should mention Jurgården a bit because they... Played, uh, they played Lulio yesterday. Uh, we were recording Sunday, should mention. Uh, so they played Lulio on Saturday. They headed into the third, being down 4 2 up in Lulio. Uh, Lulio hadn't lost a game where they had the lead after two periods in the entire season, and Jurgen went out and scored three, winning 5 4 in regulation. Uh, this isn't the first time Jurgen turns it around late. They turned it around against uh, Malmö a while back, scoring two goals in the last minute 16 or so. Um, and Jurgen, piece by piece, they're looking not solid, but they're looking way better than they did earlier in the season. We were, I was kind of, well, ragging on them a bit, and uh, I. Figure I have had the right to do so because they, they didn't look well, but they're showing chemistry, they're showing resilience, uh, and they got an important goal from Ryan Stoa. He scored his first goal over the SHL season, first goal ever with uh, with the Yuri Gordon came over from HV71 uh, a while back. Um, Tom Wandell broke uh, an 11 game long goalless drought, and uh, Bobby Nardella, <laughs> Jesus Christ, this guy's everywhere. He had five shots on goal. And he he drew up the the attack after attack in the first period, and it looked really solid when they were pushing for that equalizer. I really like the way Jurgen are playing right now. They need a bit be be a bit more consistent in their full sixty minutes, but piece by piece they're looking better. 
Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, uh, like you mentioned, I wanted to touch on Bobby Nardella, who's been just a fantastic pickup for them this season, uh, coming in, playing his first season in the SHL. And he is he has adjusted to the Swedish game so quickly, surprisingly quickly. Um, he, he's putting up points from the blue line. He's got 27 points, six goals for in 39 games. And so that that's a big pickup for your garden. And just touching on what you said as well, they're, they're playing resilient hockey. They're not getting down, like you said, going into the third period against Lulio, down by two, able to score three goals. That's huge. Huge. And that's going to be a big confidence booster and a big momentum shift for uh, for your Gordon heading into the final nine or ten games of the season. But another bright spot for your Gordon this season has been the play of the young William Eklund. The 18-year-old uh, has come in, stepped up. He scored nine goals, nine assists, nine goals being extremely impressive for, for an 18-year-old in the SHL. Um, and so I think... Uh, I think Eklund's definitely got a bright future ahead of him. He's uh, just looking at this right now. He's basically ranked in the top 10 for the upcoming draft by every possible scouting report you can think of. And so that's a, that's been a real bright spot for your Gordon this season. We should also mention that he turned 18 mid-season, so he actually entered the season as a 17-year-old. Yeah, yeah, he turned 18 in on October 12th. So, yeah, yeah, he's looking really solid. He's really sharp, and his chemistry with uh, Alexander Holtz is something to behold. It's it's They find each other so well out there. And, I mean, if I were the Devils, I'd be looking, you know, to kind of snag Eklund as well to get because they're looking really solid. It's not their, the Wonder Twins of Vancouver Canucks, but, I mean, <laughs> get those guys on, on a smaller rink. Yeah, I, I'd be up for that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting to follow the uh, the career of Eklund. But uh, if he, when he is drafted this season, um, I, I would think your garden is going to be hoping to have him back for at least one more year before he heads over to the NHL. Yeah, for sure, for sure. We should also mention that Bobby Nardella is on loan from the Washington Washington Capitals organization. His uh, he played with the Hershey Bears last season, scoring four goals and 27 assists in 41 games. And this season he has six goals and 21 assists for 27 points in 39 games. Um, yeah. So if you get the chance to see Eurogordon play, look for Bobby Nardella because he's so much fun to watch. I want to touch on uh, Liam's Clausen before we wrap things up today. Uh, he's having a really good season. I mean, I mean, really good season. He's 35 now. He hasn't played in the SHL since the 2013-14 season prior to this. He had a bit of a so-and-so season, I believe, last season. And we were kind of questioning where he'd fit in. But against Jurgården, he had five shots on goal. Uh, he Four of them actually coming on the same power play early in the game. And he scored one massive slapper. Uh, he's on, uh, I'm sorry, he's, I think he's on a five or six game point streak right now. Uh, and he's looking really solid, and he he demands so much of his uh, peers and he, of his of his teammates. Uh, I think he's I think he he can be one of those key components come playoffs, and I I, I really like his play, and I want to shout him out, shout him out because I think people are kind of overlooking him when when they are looking at the Lulio unit as they are. Yeah, he, he's had an impressive season, uh, especially after coming back from the Swiss League after playing there for the last uh, six seasons, I believe. And you look at his numbers in the Swiss League, and he's outperforming those numbers this season in the SHL. Despite the fact the Swiss League has bigger contracts, more money to offer players, I would say the SHL has better talent. And so Linus Clausen to be able to come in back to the SHL and put up those kind of numbers, you know, surpassing some of the numbers he put up in the Swiss League is an impressive feat as a, as a 36-year-old. For sure. And in his past four games, he has three goals and three assists um, for six points. And adding another five games to that, he's got seven goals and four assists in total in the past nine games. So he's coming in hot for the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but we yeah, should mention, other, sorry, yeah. go ahead. Uh, well, no, you, you go ahead. I was going to kind of shift over to the NHL for a quick little comment. Yeah. I just here. want to pause on the SDHL. I had a, a great talk with Kim Martin Hassan, uh, a while back and, uh, technical difficulties with Skype, uh, made the recording go bye-bye. So we're, uh, gonna have Kim back for another episode. She did say though, that she might be wanting to come on on a regular basis to talk the women's hockey. So we're going to expand into that a bit more, which is awesome. Uh, obviously, Kim has played, 
Olympic hockey. She's played with young guys. She's played with Malmö U20. She's played in North America. She's been the general manager of the Linköping women's hockey team. So uh, look for looking forward to having her back for her first interview and then having her on on a semi-regular basis to talk women's hockey. So look out for that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But um, yeah, I just wanted to shift over to the NHL and talk about the rookie situation in the NHL right now because honestly, this is one of the more exciting seasons I've seen in the NHL as far as rookies are concerned. You got Kiel Kaprasov for Minnesota, Pia Suter for Chicago, Josh Norris for Ottawa, Philip Kurishev for Chicago, Tim Stutzel for Ottawa, Niels Hoaglander for Vancouver. It's really fun to watch this kind of unfold between these goal or these rookies, and I think it's going to be a real tight race for the Calder this season. Yeah, for sure. It's a, it's an open race, and I mean, I, I want to praise Ilya Sorokin with the Islanders as well, the goalie. He's looking really good as well from time to time, uh, obviously being a goalie you're put on the spot quite a lot and uh, I think it's up to the challenge as well um, it's a really it's a really fun NHL season it's a weird NHL season but it's a fun one yeah it's 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 definitely strange it's kind of like uh, like the MLB where they do their you know three or four game series against the same team and with the divisions the way they are and no interdivisional play this season you've had a lot of that happening um, you know you get one team come to town you play four go at games against them and then you go on the road to play four games against another team it's a it's an interesting dynamic in the league this season I think that's something they they should actually keep going forward I like that I like that a lot maybe not four or even seven games like the Coyotes Blues kind of thing. But, but uh, I mean, it saves travels, it saves money, it saves everything. P- players are getting uh, more rest because they don't have to be on an airplane an hour after the game stops uh, or finishes, rather. Um, I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, the only thing that I, I think that... Uh, a lot of people wouldn't be okay with is no interdivisional play because it it does kind of put certain teams at a disadvantage if they have trouble against one or two teams in their division. Yeah, um, obviously that's something to look into, but I, I really like the North Division. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Awesome. Did you uh, did you catch any highlights from the outdoor game yesterday? Yeah, I actually watched the fin. I I watched, was was working the NHL uh, this morning, so I watched the end of it. And, and I'm pretty, I, and I'm pretty sure it's like the first outdoor game in years that has had nice weather. Yeah, and it t- proved to be its downfall. <laughs> yeah, they uh, seem to have trouble keeping the ice. Uh, yeah, but it, they, uh, it turned yeah. out all right. And looking at the the second, well, the last two periods, it looked really good. Uh, obviously, they pushed the game to past midnight local time, or at, rather Eastern time. Um, and it looked good. There, uh, and they delayed the game. For uh, today's game to 7.30 local, so that's 1.30 Swedish, right? No, yeah, yeah something like that. Um, no matter, it's uh, it's awesome. The, the the scenery was something else, man. I want to go to Lake Tahoe. Oh, yeah, it's spectacular. It's an absolutely beautiful setting. I know there was, uh, I think it was back in November, maybe, there was talk of actually having a game on a frozen lake surface, but I don't think the NHL went for that. There was a rumor about Lake Louise, I believe. Lake but, Louise, yeah. In, in but uh, that's a national park, and uh, some environmentalists kind of said, well, that's not a good thing. Which, and, is, uh, which is fair. <laughs> yeah, uh, you kind of have to obey that. Uh, could we just talk about Connor McDavid for a while? Uh, yeah, sure. What do you want to talk about? Did uh, you see his play last night, or rather this morning, Swedish time? No, hold on. Let me see if I can find this. But he had three goals and three it. assists in two periods. That's it? Yeah, well, it was decent, and he, well, you know, he's all right. No, well, yeah, I was... He had a natural hat-trick. He scored three goals. Uh, well, not complete natural. He scored one goal in the end, by the end of the third, uh, first period, having had two assists prior to that, and then he scored his second and third goal in the opening of the second period. It's so fun to watch, man. It's uh, ah. yeah, it's something it's, else. Well, he has 37 it's, points it's, in 20 games. Well, yeah, and it's like whenever he he has the ability, he's one of those players that, you know, like Crosby or an Ovechkin, that if he wants to score, he just decides he's going to score. Yeah. And there's nothing you can do to stop him. And, like, the goals he's able to score when that happens is it looks like he's an NHL player playing against beer league guys on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. It's, For sure. it's it's an absolute pleasure to watch the fact that the Canucks have to play him five other times this season. I'm not looking forward to, but it's fun to watch him play. I don't think anyone's looking forward to play Connor McDavid right now. And actually, 
I've been harping on Mikko Koskinen, but he had 40-something saves last night and looked really solid as well. So uh, kudos to him. I want to touch on Austin Matthews as well. He has eight points in his past two games. Jesus, I didn't know that. He scored four uh, last night and four prior to that. And he's the first guy in uh, many years or the 12th guy in total who has scored the first goal in a game four games in a row. Really? Yeah. Well, there's a trivia little nugget of information for you. Yeah, and also adding to that, I want to touch on... Well, I just want to mention that Mitch Marner has seven points in his past two games. See, this is why I don't want only divisional play six (laughs) ten. We have the Edmonton Oilers and Connor McDavid and then Marner and the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's... uh, No! (laughs) Don't even get me started on Tyler Toffoli. Oh, he has... How many goals does he have? Okay, well, I can't remember what it was, but we had six games played against Montreal. He had nine goals on the season, eight of which were against the Canucks. He has that, 11 goals that was, right that now. That was like two or three weeks ago. He has 11 goals right now, and I'm looking in. I'm eight, just, eight of which are against the Canucks. Uh, I think it might be nine, because I think they've played oh, again. Oh, great. Uh, nope, eight. That, that, that's the one. Like, I could swallow Markstrom going to Calgary. Tanev was a bit tough to swallow going to Calgary as well, but Toffoli, oh, I can't believe we weren't able to hold on to him. Toffoli has 11 goals and 5 assists to, to his season. He has 8 goals and 3 assists against the Canucks. Sorry, 8 goals and how many assists? 3. Yeah, yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah. I think that's quite fun. Yeah. So, Let's yeah, not re- totally. revisit uh, our, yeah. our predictions because I'm winning right now, uh, but we can do that later on. Yeah, sure. Just rub it in. Yeah, for sure. sure. Because I'm way off on the SHL predictions. Way off. Dude. Oh yeah, I think we all. I think we both are. I like. I look, look, I'm trying to remember what I what I said. I know I had your garden. I think finishing like third overall. I had Lynch shopping six. In six yeah, I think I had Lynch shopping six as well. So that's plus I had eight. I, I'm pretty sure I had HV71 finishing fifth. Which yeah. I mean, that was a fair prediction going into the season. But yeah. uh, anyways. I think, uh, yeah, we're pushing just over 50 minutes on the episode right now, so I think we should probably wrap it up. But uh, we're hoping to do another episode either Thursday afternoon or Friday afternoon. Um, And so now that I'm back in Sweden, uh, hopefully doing more than one episode every week or two weeks, don't have that stupid nine-hour time difference to deal with anymore, which is nice. And we're going to get some interviews going as well now that you're back. We got some planning to do, but it's uh, looking good. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, we should, of course, thank our patrons, who are... Oh, yeah. You're the one that's supposed to be all responsible for this. Sorry, sorry, patrons. I love you, but I'm (laughs) stupid and uh, tired and dead. Hey, did I mention that flu season is awesome this season? Oh, yeah. Your kids are homesick, I guess. Yep. They are. Mm. Linus, Andreas. Tobias, Anton, Zach, and Lucas, thank you so much for sponsoring our show. If you want to sponsor our show, visit patreon.com slash across the pond. Absolutely. Well, that does it for episode number 41 of Across the Pond. My name is David Ashbaugh. He is 610 Funquist. As always, stay safe, wash your hands, and... For the love of God, please support your local businesses. This goddamn virus is still here. It's going to be here for quite some time. So please, please support your local businesses. Yeah, it was uh, it was kind of eerie biking through downtown Lynn Shopping at like nine o'clock last night, and it was just completely dead, which is a uh, an odd sight to see on a Saturday night. Yeah, it's uh, eerie is the right word. Actually. Yeah, but thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, we'll talk later, and uh, have a great rest of your weekend and a great week. Yep. See you later. Bye.